From CBS News Bay Area, this is the Afternoon Edition. Right now on the Afternoon Edition, leading officials in San Francisco just announced a new push to streamline how affordable housing gets approved and built across California. Good afternoon, I'm Elizabeth Cook. And I'm Ryan Yamamoto. The people pushing this new measure are calling it a major new housing legislation. Mayor London Breed and State Senator Scott Weiner say they're determined to expedite the approval process for the construction of homes that lower-income residents can afford. Weiner wants to extend and expand on his earlier law that took effect five years ago. He says that measure has streamlined approvals for thousands of homes and 2,000 are already built in San Francisco under a permitting process that just takes three to six months. It's very simple. If you meet all the rules, if you meet the zoning and the setbacks and the designs and everything else, you, you get your permit without a hyper-politicized, chaotic uh, process that could take years uh, and lead to litigation. According to preliminary data from the UC Berkeley, nearly three-fourths of the homes approved so far are affordable to those earning less than their area's medium income. We have another vantage point of that deadly house explosion in San Francisco's Sunset District. That blast destroyed one home and forced two other homes next to it to be red-tagged. Dalin spoke to a man who was standing right across the street when that house exploded. Surveillance video shows Albert Ng standing next to a light pole in front of his home. He and his next door neighbor were talking when a house across the street blew up. All of a sudden, we just heard the you know, explosion. Boom. Then we saw the fire. The impact pushed him several feet away. It took him a few seconds to regain his balance. He called 911. Just to see the glass and wooden, you know, garage door, it looks like it's blown open. The force of the explosion blew open the back door of this white Prius. The driver later came out and appeared okay. The explosion also knocked out many windows and doors of homes on the 1700 block of 22nd Avenue. And not a scratch on you, huh? No. Not a single scratch. No, no. So, How do you feel about that? <laughs> That's lucky. <laughs> That's all I can say is lucky. Both of us, nothing wrong, you know. We didn't get hit by any glass or wood or anything. Authorities say the explosion killed a disabled woman who lived in the house and severely injured her caretaker. Shortly after the Thursday morning home explosion, this man told firefighters he lived in the house and asked if his disabled wife made it out alive. He appeared in shock and was crying at one point. San Francisco police would not confirm if this is the suspect. They say they arrested 53-year-old Darren Price for manslaughter and manufacturing drugs in the house. Police removed tanks and cylinders from what's left of the home. They also charged Price with two counts of child endangerment. The two kids who lived in the house were in school at the time. He's funny, that's all. He just say a few words, how's everything, uh, good morning, how are you doing? Albert says a family of four lived in the house, the husband, the disabled wife, and two daughters. Despite the close call, Albert says he's not angry with the suspect. He wants to focus on repairing his garage door and the broken window in his kitchen. Got to fix up this, fix up that. It's like, uh, you know, a lot of things to be done. Right now. A man is under arrest in a deadly hit and run in San Jose. That crash happened just before 11 last night on 680 northbound, just south of Hostetter Road. Authorities found the victim unconscious, who later died. Two cars had major damage, a GMC Sierra and a Ford Focus. The driver of the GMC allegedly took off from the scene. 
Authorities found him at his home in Fremont, took him into custody. They do believe alcohol was a factor in that crash. A new program in Oakland aims to help the formerly incarcerated from the world of prison into the world of tech. The organization creating uh, restorative opportunities and programs, or CROP, cut the ribbon on a tech-focused re-entry program. The group says on average, people getting out of prison earn just over $10,000 their first year back. That's a third of the average minimum wage salary in California. The goal of all this is to increase economic opportunity and keep people from going back to prison. But how do we do that when we're not uplifting every single one of us here in our communities? How do we maintain that position of strength when we don't look at the strengths of each individual around us? California is funding the program with more than $28 million in workforce and housing grants. Okay, let's get the first other meteorologist, Darren Peck, and uh, it's going to be a bad hair day today, right? <laughs> it will be. <laughs> it's never a bad hair day for you guys. Over the next couple of hours, a little more hairspray is going to be needed. Hasn't really picked up all that much yet, but the wind, there's a wind advisory, and that's what Ryan's talking about. It's going to be particularly windy if you're near the coast or in the hills. But look what we also had today. An old summer friend, little patch of fog hanging out over the bay. It was much more widespread through the morning, but now as the sun gets a little higher and temperatures start warming up, it's fast melting away, and we're going to turn our attention away from the fog in the bay to how the wind turns on. Watch the screen light up. Now that gets us to the afternoon today, and it's 40-mile-an-hour gusts along the coast. That's where we're really going to feel this today. It's like an 18-mile-an-hour breeze in San Jose. So San Jose, you're not in the wind advisory. But anybody along the coast is. It already went into effect, and it doesn't expire until Tuesday. That's tomorrow at 6 a.m. It's also Valentine's Day. It's also when we have some light rain to discuss for tomorrow. I'll see you with that in the complete first alert forecast in a bit. Guys, back to you. All right, Darren, thanks so much. What started off as a suspected Chinese spy balloon being shot down nine days ago has now become a broader intelligence investigation with more flying objects blown out of the sky. On Sunday, the U.S. military shot down yet another unidentifiable flying object. Nicole D'Antonio reports from the White House. For three days in a row, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, the U.S. military shot down objects over Alaska, Canada's Yukon Territory, and Lake Huron. That's after an American fighter jet destroyed a Chinese spy balloon off the coast of South Carolina more than a week ago. Even though we had no indications that any of these three objects were surveilling, we couldn't rule that out. And so there, you know, you want to err on the side of safety here. The fourth unmanned object was shot down by an F-16 over Lake Huron Sunday near Michigan. Lake Huron has been choppy, so it's been difficult to recover. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says recovery teams are on the ground looking to find and analyze the objects shot down over Canada's Yukon Territory. We will continue to do everything necessary. Uh, to protect the sovereignty of our, air, of our shared North American airspace. Biden administration officials say the three objects were much smaller than the Chinese spy balloon, appear to be different shapes and flew at altitudes that could jeopardize passenger airlines. On Monday, China claimed the U.S. has flown more than 10 high-altitude balloons over its airspace in the last few years. U.S. security officials denied the accusation. We are not flying surveillance balloons over China. Since the Chinese balloon incident, the U.S. has enhanced radars to more closely monitor U.S. airspace, which might explain the increase in activity.
Well, hope is fading for finding many more survivors from that earthquake in Turkey and Syria, but remarkable rescue stories are still emerging. Today, crews pulled a 13-year-old boy from the rubble of a collapsed building in Turkey's southern Hatay province. Hatay province. He held a rescuer's hand as he was placed on a stretcher and covered with a thermal blanket. This happened more than a week after a powerful quake struck with a magnitude of 7.8, followed by a strong aftershock. The confirmed number of people killed now exceeds 37,000. A new drone footage shows extensive cracks on a highway in southeastern Turkey. It's clear that no cars will be traveling over the stretch of roadway anytime soon. This damage is in the Marash region, one of the country's hardest hit cities. And quake survivors and aid workers in neighboring Syria are still desperate for supplies. Doctors at one hospital say they simply cannot save everyone. It's one of just a few medical facilities that are functioning in a rebel-held province. Staff say after years of Russian and Syrian regime bombardment, they are ill-equipped to deal with a disaster of this magnitude. Roughly 100,000 Israelis showed up outside parliament to protest a plan to overhaul the country's legal system. Many waved the national flag while chanting the words democracy and Israel will not be a dictatorship. Earlier, thousands traveled to Jer Jerusalem on packed trains. Then they marched toward parliament, also known as the Neset. Supporters of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu say the judiciary currently has too much power. Critics say the overhaul would amount to a coup.